Independent retail business can mean so many things these days. A brick and mortar store, an e-commerce business, a maker's online shop, a booth at an antique mall, and more. No matter which category you're in, Kathy Cruz, a fellow retail business owner and retail educator, will teach you how to market and manage your business efficiently so you can spend time doing other things you love. Welcome to the Savvy Shopkeeper Podcast. Welcome to episode five of the Savvy Shopkeeper Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Cruz. And if you're listening for the first time, I'm also a retail business owner. I co-own a home decor boutique and creative studio with my sister in Lakewood, Ohio. If you want to follow us, you'll find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our username is at the salvaged boutique, and that's a D at the end of salvaged. I thought I'd mention this just because I'm not sure I shared our username in the first four episodes of this podcast. So if you want to follow our journey, uh, feel free to do that on Facebook or Instagram. Let's get started on episode number five, how to host or participate in a successful pop-up shop in a brick and mortar store. So what exactly is a pop-up shop? It's really just a short-term temporary retail event. And what does this look like? It can be a one-night sip and shop style event, or it can be a designated area in a store where a maker displays their goods for maybe a month or two. It's really what the two business owners involved make it, but I feel like anything beyond a month or two takes away the sense of urgency that a pop-up shop should create. So with that, I want to add that the term pop-up shop shouldn't be mistaken with two other retail concepts. The first one is a pop-up business. This is where someone rents an entire brick-and-mortar space to sell their goods or products for two months or longer. Or I don't want it to be confused with a vendor-tenant kind of situation where a business owner rents a space from a brick-and-mortar store, but this is for like an extended or indefinite period of time. A good example of this is an antique mall where a vendor might rent a booth or space within that mall for a year, two years, an ongoing amount of time. The words pop-up shop could connotate that this is something that can be taken lightly, but this is still a business transaction and should be treated professionally. I guess I just want to make that point. I love it when I see this question in the Savvy Shopkeepers Facebook group. When people ask, how can I have a successful pop-up shop or a successful pop-up shop event? Because it tells me that the business owner is taking the opportunity seriously, and they should. What is the goal of a pop-up shop? For the person who makes and sells their products, aka the maker, we can call them, to find it's really to find and create a long-term relationship with new customers or other business owners. For the brick-and-mortar store owner, it's to diversify their product offerings, increase foot traffic, and attract new customers. And of course, I'll talk about the benefit. One of the benefits is to make money. (laughs) But today, I'm going to divide this episode into two parts. First, we're going to talk about the benefits of a pop-up shop. Second, I'll talk about some of the terms and things you should consider before you come to an agreement with each other. So part one, what are the benefits of a pop-up shop? First, hopefully you'll get results from cross-promoting each other. For the brick-and-mortar store owner, like I mentioned, it's foot traffic, and for the maker, it's exposure. Whether you're hosting or participating, cross-promoting should really be one of the biggest benefits of being involved in a pop-up shop event. You're really helping to promote each other's businesses. 
The second benefit is this provides an excellent opportunity for market research. Maybe the brick and mortar store owner is trying to determine if the product line they're bringing in on a temporary basis is appealing to their customers. So let's say, for instance, a brick and mortar store owner is trying to figure out if a skincare product line would sell well in their store. This is a really good opportunity for them to test the waters. And for the maker, let's say they may be doing research on what type of store makes sense for their products or if a standalone brick and mortar store makes sense for their own business. But really, market research is extremely important. And this is one way that you can do that for your business. A group member recently mentioned that after they participated in a pop-up shop, they learned that a brick and mortar space would not be ideal for their business. And this revelation, I think, is huge. I mean, this business owner is not only saving themselves hundreds of hours of work of opening a brick and mortar store, and I'm not saying it's not worth it, but it's a ton of work. And they'll save thousands of dollars in the process. She actually decided to go mobile. Um, And I think it's fantastic that she took the opportunity from the pop-up shop event that she ran in a store to really learn to find out if this would be good for her business or not. Okay, so on to the third benefit. The third benefit, and hopefully the most obvious, is to bring in revenue for both business owners. For the brick-and-mortar store owner, if the pop-up is marketed well, it should generate enough buzz that it brings in more foot traffic and this brings more sales, of course. And for the maker, placing your products in front of new and most importantly, active shoppers, people that are actually out and wanting to shop, you know, hopefully this will generate more sales too. The fourth benefit is it creates a sense of urgency. Offering a pop-up for a limited time means that the consumer needs to come in the store before the offer or the products are gone. Really, a sense of urgency can be huge and it can generate more foot traffic in a day or even in a weekend than normal. And last but not least, there is no long-term obligation or risk with a pop-up shop. It's really just a short-term commitment. Running a retail business can already feel really risky, right? So pop-ups should feel like less pressure than some other business endeavors. If handled well, there isn't much risk for either party involved. Yes, it's disappointing if the products don't sell or if anticipated foot traffic falls flat, but aside from that, the risk is minimal. Just remember, if this isn't a short-term commitment, that it most likely means it's more of a vendor relationship, and that comes with a whole new set of rules and obligations. So I can't stress it enough, a pop-up shop should be short in length. When I said earlier that this is a transaction that should be approached in a professional manner, I'm not saying it requires a long-winded, 20-page, complicated contract, but I do think it's really important to lay out the terms clearly. For over 65 years, Doris has been a premier distributor of arts and crafts. Since its beginning, Doris has prided itself on being focused on the independent retailer. Let them be both your DIY source and your resource. Their website features trend reports, small business tools, in-store project ideas, and so much more. To best serve small businesses, Doris offers a low minimum order of just $75, and all orders ship at no additional cost. This is why I'm proud to partner with them and I buy from them. I'm excited to tell you Doris has an exclusive offer just for Savvy Shopkeeper listeners. Use promo code SAVVY25 at checkout for 25% off your order. 
Offer valid through 1231.19. So visit Doris.com today. That's D-A-R-I-C-E.com to see their amazing product assortment at pricing you won't believe. So with that, we're going to move into part two. We're going to talk about the terms and things to consider when hosting or participating in a pop-up shop. Most importantly, whether you're the maker or the brick and mortar store owner, you both want a written agreement. This helps you determine if the situation is a good fit for each of you. It sets boundaries and lays out expectations. So if you're a note taker, this is probably where you want to grab a pen and paper. Or if you're like me and sometimes anxious to listen to a podcast episode, go ahead and listen and then save this episode and you can take notes later. I'm not sure if you knew that was an option. If you're a new podcast listener, you can actually save episodes. It'll be right in your podcast app that you can do that. Let's get started because I have a list of 12 items to consider when you're doing research and drafting your agreement. I should add that I'm sure this isn't a comprehensive list, but it's a really good start. And if you're wondering who writes this agreement, I don't think it really matters. You know, if the brick and mortar store owner consistently hosts pop-up shops, they may already have something in writing drafted or ready for you to review and sign. And if they don't, there's no reason why the other participating business can't draft it up themselves and show it to the brick and mortar store owner. I don't think it matters who writes it. It's just a matter of, can you agree to everything and have it in writing. Okay, so let's get started. The first thing to think about is the time frame. Is this a one night event? Is it for a weekend or is it longer? You know, sometimes a brick and mortar store owner might bring in a new vendor for a pop-up shop every month. I mean, who knows what the situation is? Just make sure that it's really clear how long the pop-up shop will last. Number two is foot traffic or audience size. Now this doesn't necessarily have to be in the agreement, but it might be something that you want to consider. So does the store have enough foot traffic, you know, to generate a reasonable amount of sales? And does the maker have enough of a social media following for this to be mutually beneficial for both parties involved? For some situations, this may not matter, but if it's important to you, you need to do the research first. Number three is social media and marketing requirements. This one I feel is really important. You need to lay out a social media schedule in advance, particularly if there's like a special event to launch the entire pop-up shop. You know, find out if a press release will be written. Find out if the store owner wants you to post six times or two times before the upcoming event or vice versa. Whatever your expectations are, make sure you're really clear. And does it make sense to offer like a giveaway to help promote the pop-up event? This is something you can both work on together. So it feels manageable and reasonable to both of you. Number four is product payment. So who's going to collect the payment? Will it be the brick and mortar store owner on their regular point of sale system? Or let's say if this is a one night event, will the, the person selling the products actually collect payment directly from the customer? So a really good example is my sister and I hosted a girls night pop-up event for one night. Each vendor had their own individual table. We didn't collect any form of payment from them. Um, We didn't ask them for any fees, which I'll talk about soon. We just really said, if a customer of ours comes in and they want to shop with you and they want to buy from you, you go ahead and handle the transaction. And I think most of the vendors that night, I think we had four or five of them, I think they all use Square and they just ran the transaction in their own Square point of sale on their phone. Just make sure that this is really clear. 
Number five is inventory management. And this is really important if you plan on being a pop-up in a store for, I say, longer than a week or two. You really want to keep track of the inventory that you're sending to the store and the price and what's selling. Uh, I would recommend this to anyone running any kind of product-based business, but you definitely want to track this when you're sending your items away and then you no longer have control over them and they're sitting in a store in a different location. Number six is participation requirement. If this is longer than a single night or weekend event, will you be expected to be present at the store for a minimum number of hours? You know, is it a fair exchange? Does the brick and mortar store owner feel like, hey, if your products are going to be in the store, I would like to have you here selling them? And this mostly pertains to anyone doing a pop-up shop for a little bit of a longer time. Because, of course, if it's a one-night event, you'll be there. You'll be there meeting the customers. You'll be talking to them. Um, But this is something to consider, let's say, if you pop up in a store for a month or two. The next one is fees. Each business handles this differently, I've learned. There are some brick-and-mortar store owners who don't charge any fees. They're just happy to support a maker, and they're happy to get new traffic. But there are some business owners who will ask for 20% of your sales. Whatever it is, again, make sure that it's clear and in the agreement. Number eight is setup and equipment. Will the store owner provide a table, shelving, display furniture? You know, they might already have an area where they bring in pop-up vendors and you can just come in and set up. But it's something you need to think about if you need to bring your own table. I think the night that we hosted the pop-up shop in our store, I think we communicated with each vendor. I think a couple of them needed tables. A couple of them had their own setups. So just figure that out in advance. Number nine is merchandising. So who's responsible for merchandising? Um, The brick and mortar store owner might have rules or a specific kind of aesthetic that they prefer. They might actually want to do the merchandising themselves, but you might feel the same way. It's your product. You know how you like them displayed. So hash this out before um, you show up at the store with your products. Number 10 is uh, an open house or an opening event. Will there be something to launch this pop-up event? You know, especially if you're going to be in the store for a month or two, the store owner might really want to build up the buzz around having you in the store. So if there is some type of opening event, you really want to focus on your strategy for marketing that because you want to have a lot of people come in that night or that day or whatever it might be. You want to establish like what the event will look like and who will do the work, especially if there's food involved. So sometimes it could be if it's a sip and shop event, there might be wine, cheese crackers. You want to know who's supplying that, who's paying for it, who's bringing it in, or you might share those duties. Number 11 is theft policy. If you're leaving your products at the store, you'll want to know what happens if a theft occurs. None of us want to deal with this. I get it. But it's a reality in retail. And number 12 is insurance. Who, which business owner has insurance? Maybe it's both. Maybe it's just the brick and mortar store. Maybe it's neither of you. But what happens if there's a fire? And as I mentioned before, this one, what happens if somebody steals all of your products? I've heard this in cases where a brick and mortar store owner had a line of jewelry and every piece of jewelry in that line was stolen. So you just want to make sure that you protect yourself. Again, it doesn't matter which side of this transaction you're on. You want to make sure that you're protected and you have your T's crossed and your I's dotted. 
Of course, I don't wish anything bad on anyone, but it's important that you're prepared. So we're kind of wrapping up here. Three important things to note. First one, I always have a disclaimer, right? (laughs) The first is this is not legal advice, but it is practical advice. If you want to know if your agreement is legally binding, make sure you have your lawyer review it. Number two, just because you've both agreed to do a pop-up event does not mean that customers will come flooding in. You have to come up with a marketing strategy. Make sure you have a plan for getting people in the door. Number three is the last one and not the least one. One thing that I might have overlooked in this episode, and this is extremely important, have fun with the pop-up shop. Whether you're the store owner or the product-based business owner, collaborate, communicate, talk about your ideal customer with each other and figure out what that customer would like to see or what they will want to experience when they shop with both of you. Add a giveaway, do a fun raffle, do something for a charity or a cause. I mean, the list of fun ideas can go on and on. I know firsthand it's really hard to get wrapped up in the day to day of running our businesses. So it's good to be reminded and to remind myself to have fun. If you want to see the show notes to this episode or find links to anything I mentioned, and I think I only mentioned the Savvy Shopkeepers Facebook group in this episode, but in any case, you'll always find show notes on my blog. And for this episode, you'll find the show notes at SavvyShopkeeper.com slash episode five. That's SavvyShopkeeper.com forward slash episode five. If you like what you're hearing, please leave me a rating and or a review. I appreciate it more than you know. And until the next episode, be savvy and boss up.